This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Ashley. And I'm Lacey, and this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Maine discussing a grisly Thanksgiving Day murder. Then we'll talk about a murder possibly solved with the help of a psychic. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Pine Tree State. Since this is a true crime podcast, we inevitably talk a lot about mental health and the issues that the United States has in providing adequate care. Globally, the average percentage of national health spending devoted to mental health was about 0.5%. Today, we're discussing two cases in the state of Maine, and mental health experts say that it's suffering from underfunded service and a shortage of providers. However, you could say this about most, if not all, of the states. This is alarming information, but it's even scarier when a crime happens tied to a mental illness and people say that they saw it coming and they tried to get help for years. The case I'm about to discuss is prompting new questions about the state of Maine's mental health system. The family and friends involved believe it's a crime that could have been prevented, and now they're pushing for change. Thanksgiving in the United States typically means getting together with family and sometimes friends that are like family. That was the case for 34-year-old Justin Butterfield, who was with his older brother, Gabe Demure, age 38, last year on Thanksgiving morning. They actually shared a home in Poland, Maine, on 14 Poplar Drive. So Gabriel Demure, who went by Gabe, was born on May 17, 1984, in Portland, Maine. He was known as being quiet and reserved, but loving and sensitive. He was always willing to go above and beyond for his friends and family, and he had five younger brothers that he would do anything for. Justin Butterfield was known as being goofy, fun, playful, and smart. He was a good friend to many, and his family always came first. He had helped out all of his brothers at some point, including letting them live with him at various times. In 2010, he met Yesha Proventure, and they were in a relationship for the next eight years. So Justin already had a daughter from a previous relationship, and he had full custody and he had a son together with Yesha. He was busy working as a mechanic and could fix nearly everything, but then he started acting off. It started out he was thinking people were stealing from him, even when it was clear they weren't. So he was like paranoid? Yeah. Then he started believing he was being followed. Oh, yikes. Then he starts jotting down license plate numbers of people who seemed to be following him. Things escalated big time when he became convinced that recorders were planted in his home, and then he started accusing Yesha of communicating with the people who were out to get him, like she was conspiring with these people. He would wake her up in the middle of the night to question her about it. Oh, no. He stopped sleeping because he was so paranoid that people were watching him and following him, and then just waking her up in the middle of the night. So he was seeing things and hearing things. And Yesha is worried about her safety and her kids' safety at this point. Yeah. Once she was so freaked out, she called the police and told them that he was having a psychotic episode. The police came, 
They questioned him, but they did not think he needed hospitalization. They just talked to him a little bit, said he's fine, and they left. Over the next few months, things only got worse. She believed he was having psychotic episodes, and she didn't know what else to do, so she would call the main crisis line in an attempt to get Justin hospitalized. However, they always told her she would have to convince him to go voluntarily. Oh. Yeah. So it's like, even though she was scared, and it, he wasn't threatening to kill her, so she didn't... Right. So there was no cause, quote-unquote, for him to be... For them to intervene. Exactly. But he did not believe he was hallucinating. He didn't think anything was wrong with him. He thought everyone else was out to get him, so he had no self-awareness. He was not going to admit himself to a hospital. And his family and friends struggled to get help for him. In 2018, Justin took a turn for the worse when a physician prescribed him Adderall. I'm not sure. I couldn't find any information on why they would have done this. Yesha said that only made things worse. Then, once COVID hit, the isolation didn't help him at all. He was admitted to the hospital eight times on an emergency basis, four of which were in 2022 alone. So he was usually admitted under the state's involuntary commitment process in the beginning, like as things escalated, but he was never committed for a longer period, even though he'd been multiple times. So it was like a day or two. Uh huh. was not like he was in the state hospital for a few months. It was always just at the a hospital. Holding time, you know, like a holding time. Yeah. yeah. He was reportedly diagnosed as having schizophrenia and prescribed meds to manage it but he refused to take them. That scares me. Mm-hmm. And you would think. And it kind of, if you think about it, makes sense because their illness is, they're paranoid uh-huh. that people are out to get them. And you have a doctor saying, take this pill. It's only going to make you more paranoid. Why do you want me to take this? Yeah. So it's hard to put yourself in a schizophrenic shoes if you're not. But yeah. So at one point, Justin's best friend, Nate, took him to the hospital himself after he went to Justin's house and found knives lined up on a counter for protection against assassins he believed lived next door. Oh, boy. I can't even imagine having a life. This is a lifelong friend, been friends since, been friends since they're kids. All of a sudden, he's, he thinks assassins are his neighbors. After the hospital talked to Justin, they told Nate they didn't believe he was a danger to himself or others, so they were letting him go. You have knives. Out. I know. I mean, technically speaking, he can just say it's for protection. Yeah, but... And legally, that's true. It's not illegal to have knives. He's not saying, I'm going to stab him. He's saying they're for protection here. So it's like, he's getting... There's technicalities where it's all of this is legal. You know what I mean? Even though it seems crazy to us. According to another friend named William, there were many times when police failed to arrest Justin, even when he confessed to criminal acts. And I can't confirm nor deny this because I looked up police records and they're saying these weren't records because they didn't arrest him. They just said, okay, yeah. you know, so allegedly in early 2018, Justin beat another man with a crowbar after an altercation that began while both men were driving. Allegedly, police investigated but never arrested anyone. Then, Justin choked and assaulted his mother 
because he believed that she was a demon out to get him. Okay, that's time to intervene. Now you're putting your hands on people. Yeah. And your mom? His friend said he didn't even know who his mom was. Truly thought she was a demon. William also said that once Justin came home, covered in blood, mumbling about a woman doing the devil's work, and how that woman would never do such things again. Police came to investigate, inspected the bloody clothing, but left soon after. Again, this is allegedly because none of this has been reported. Williams said, quote, The system has been sweeping him under the rug for quite a while now. The police have been sweeping things under the rug, too. Justin thought everyone was a demon. He thought he could heal. He would tell police this, and the cops would be like, Take your meds, Justin. Nobody wanted to deal with his mental illness. Mm -mm. So finally, Justin started taking his medication, but only briefly because he ended up losing custody of his daughter. So he kind of was like, I don't believe I need meds, but things are going bad. I'm going to get on board and get her back. So I'll take the meds. I'll do what they say. I'll do it. I'll comply. That was kind of his thinking. Not like I'm ill, but I'll comply so I get my daughter back. Then Justin took in his brother, Gabe, who was dealing with homelessness. Justin was doing well for a while and was taking his meds. But then in early 2022, he started skipping doses. And at some point, he began using crystal meth. I was only able to find a little bit about this from the Sun Journal. And I have a lot of questions I couldn't find answers to because meth can cause damage to your mental health through meth-induced psychosis. And meth-induced psychosis can lead to schizophrenia. I have no idea how long Justin was using meth, and if maybe that could have caused his psychosis or not. You're most likely to experience psychosis if you're using meth in high doses or have been using it for a long time. I'm not saying this is what caused it, I'm just pointing it out, but men usually show symptoms of schizophrenia in early adulthood, usually like teens, early 20s. Justin started showing signs around age 30. There are outliers, of course, and it can start later in life. I'm not saying that it can't, but it could be possible meth usage caused his psychosis, but I could not find any information on when he started using it. If he started using it after his psychosis as a mean to cope, I have no idea. I've never done meth or anything even remotely close, but that's scary to think that Mm -hmm. schizophrenia can show itself so later in life yeah it is very scary it's uncommon but it but it can can happen happen. yeah yeah and regardless using meth is bad enough without a mental illness but the fact that he was using it and was psychotic oh boy a recipe for disaster Uh so in may of 2022 while he was high he was hospitalized after leading local deputies on a high-speed chase The high-speed chase ended when Justin fled into the woods, swam into the river, not far from where it meets the ocean. Holy cow. Swam to an island and then had to be rescued. I can't swim that far. I'm drowning. I'm like, holy crap, an island near the... You started out in a river and now you're in an island near the ocean. And you're high on meth. Ugh. I guess that's how he swam. So they took him in for an evaluation And they held him for about five to six days and released him. He was saying that aliens were trying to get him. That's why he was running away. Not aliens. But at this point, it's like, well, he was high on meth. Uh So they can't say 
because you're this, because they're saying, well, it could be meth. Who's to say? So in the meantime, can you imagine all of this was taking its toll on Yasha? So they broke up. Well, I couldn't. Yeah. Together eight years. No. She's like, I don't even know who this is. This is not the guy I was with. So they broke up. Justin moved out. She had custody of both the children, his daughter and their son together. So I'm sure she felt it was safer. We got to get these kids out of this house. And away from you. Yeah. No, I mean, but it's just because you're a loose cannon. Exactly. And she's only ever talked positively about him. Yeah. So it's not like she wanted to leave him. She just did what was best for her, her, and, her and the kids. kids. Yeah. So she talked to a caseworker at the Midcoast Hospital after the chase, and she begged them to keep Justin. She told them he was going to kill somebody, and then it's going to be on them. He was required to see a counselor once a week and talk to a case manager on the phone once a month. But he was still not regularly taking his medicine. And they can't force him to. They can if you're involuntarily committed, but he was just at his house. So after this, after this chase, he was hospitalized three more times. Once he barged into Yesha's home, called her evil, and took one of her cats. Like, took the cat and left. Oh, my God. I don't think he did anything to the cat, but, like, she was so scared. She locked her doors, called 911. She said he's having another psychotic episode. Um, She was afraid he was going to be back. Then two days later, things got worse. On November 24th, 2022, Thanksgiving morning, Justin's neighbor called 911 to report a disturbance at Justin's place just after 10.30 a.m. The sheriff's deputies arrived and found Gabe's body on the front porch of the home. And when I say body, it's a mutilated body with severed parts. Oh, my God. On the front porch. Yeah. The court documents report that they found a screwdriver, hypodermic needles, a baseball bat, tire iron, and other objects sticking out of his body. Sticking out? Yes. Repeat that again. Yes. Screwdriver, hypodermic needles, needles plural, a baseball bat, which I don't know. Oh, Maybe it was broken. I don't know. Tire iron and other objects sticking out of the body. So they were stuck in him somehow. I don't know how a baseball bat is, but like I said, some parts of the body were severed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Justin was still inside. When they got in, he just said he was fighting 24 hours with the Terminator. He said the Terminator had a tattoo similar to his brother's, but he did not believe this man was his brother. So he believed his brother was an imposter. He didn't believe it was his brother. His death was ruled a homicide by sharp force trauma, blunt force trauma, and strangulation. Justin was taken into custody and held without bond. And it's like, he knew he was being taken in, but he didn't understand why. Because he's mentally ill. Yeah, he he wasn't like, oh my god, he was just like, that's the Terminator. Matter of factly, uh-huh. I was fighting the Terminator. Yeah. So Justin Butterfield was charged with intentional or knowing or depraved indifference murder in the slaying of his older brother, Gabe. If convicted, he would be sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. His family and friends have all stated he has schizophrenia and was prone to delusions and psychotic episodes. Everyone said he and his brother were close. There was no bad blood. He was helping his brother out. They had no feud. They didn't dislike each other. It was fine. 
Like there was no motive. In January of 2023, Justin underwent a mental evaluation by a state forensic psychologist to determine whether he was competent to proceed in court with this case. So the psychologist's report indicated that Justin, quote, made significant gains since her first meeting with him because of the medication and the treatment he's receiving at the medical unit in prison. So based on my report, it appears he is competent to at least proceed today. Kind of like saying it's a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. So the same psychologist has been asked to perform an evaluation as to Justin's mental state at the time of the alleged crime in an effort to determine whether he had been suffering from an abnormal condition of the mind, therefore could not be held criminally responsible for his actions at the time. I tried searching for the forensics reports, but could not find them, and they might not even be public yet, because I was curious if they drug tested him when they arrested like. After he arrested, if they drug tested him. I would think probably so. I would think so, but you never know. Because if he tested positive for meth that day, he could not plead insanity. Right. And if you voluntarily take a drug, you can't plead insanity, basically. If you've been forced to take a drug, that's a whole different story. But I read an abstract on the Journal of American Academy of Psychiatry and Law. And it states that evaluators have to attempt to determine the timing of the onset of psychotic symptoms in relation to the substance abuse and the persistence of symptoms after detox. So if he was on meth, which I don't know if he was or not at this time, after he detoxes, they have to kind of see how his behavior was because it's their best guess. They don't know what was going on in the time. What They can't be in his head, but... It's a big factor in all this because the correlation of mental illness and substance abuse dependence disorders is as high as 30 to 50 percent. So I'm sure during his hospital visits, they at least tested his urine. So hopefully it's clear cut, like if they know or not, but who knows? I'm not saying that meth is what causes schizophrenia. I have no idea. He could have been clean for a while. Uh Just discussing the possibilities because the evaluation happened last month. This is super recent. Super recent. So we don't know what they've determined yet. And I know it's hard to get insanity. And his friends and family are all upset because they've been saying something like this is going to happen. And they've been trying to get him help. Yesha said the man who committed the murder is not the man she once knew. She said, I don't think Justin was responsible for this. I know that his physical body did it, but his mind was not there. What should have happened is he should have stayed in a long-term facility and really showed that he made progression before he was released. And I do think that those who did not give him what he needed or didn't listen to the people that knew him best and kept him out there in society need to be held with some sort of accountability. She's not wrong. No, she's not. And she's speaking out to raise awareness about the lack of mental health care for people like Justin. Mental health advocacy groups are speaking out against Maine's so-called progressive treatment program following Gabe's murder. So they call it PTP for short. It was enacted in 2010, and if it was utilized, it would have likely prevented this. The PTP is a compassionate treatment for those with brain disorders who have no awareness of their illness. It's essentially a court order that allows people to be ordered into treatment in the community. Under PTP, if their illness becomes worse, they can be brought into a hospital before they become a danger to themselves or others. 
but he was never enrolled in this, mostly because it's not been embraced by Maine's Department of Health and Human Services. Some people believe that forced treatment is not the way to go and that trust should be built first. But it's like, but if someone doesn't believe they're mentally ill, I don't know. So the Disability Rights of Maine stated it opposes the PTP because it knows of no peer review. Randomized studies suggesting that a court-ordered commitment for mental health treatment alone improves treatment outcomes. However, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration added assistant outpatient treatment to the National Registry of Evidence-Based Programs and Practices back in 2015 after an independent assessment concluded that the program met its requirements for demonstrating positive outcomes in multiple rigorous peer-reviewed studies. AOT is also recognized by the American Psychiatric Association and Department of Justice. So basically, it should be enacted. So this type of early intervention has been found to be highly successful in states where it's utilized, resulting in 77% fewer psychiatric hospitalizations, 74% fewer experienced homelessness, 83% fewer arrests, and 87% fewer incarcerations. So it's like if that was utilized, it could have prevented this, but they don't want to. <laughs> so frustrating because it is you see this these cases like this and you're like, why, why do you not yeah. enforce this? And it's like I can see the whole – it's against their rights to involuntarily commit them, but I, I don't know. But when someone has a history, exactly, I'm just like this. It seems like you. If uh, she's terrified for yeah. her life, I don't know. It is very sad. Oh boy, I would hate to. I've not ever, and I'm not saying all people with mental illness are scary or anything. Don't misconstrue it. But I would hate to have a loved one like she had. Mm-hmm be going through something and you not be able to help them. And the only exactly. thing you can do to help them or protect your kids is just to stay as far away from yeah. them as you can. And she didn't and want you're him to be in right. trouble. That's the, oh. And you know she yeah. was not only terrified of him, but worried for the kids, mm-hmm. worried for him because she's, something's going to happen and yeah. nobody is listening to me. It's very sad. It's heartbreaking. And I even watched some interviews with her and she's, it's her ex, but she's crying. She's like, well, she loves him. Yeah. It's, it was not, it wasn't bad blood. It was just like, you've changed. I don't know who you are. I want to get you help. I want you to be the guy I used to know, but no one's helping me help you. I don't know what else to do except leave this house for my own safety and the kids' safety. It's just really sad. And to think people go through this with their kids too, you know, like parents that That see that their children have. Well, it's like he tried to strangle, kill his own mom because he thought she was a devil. And, Couldn't imagine. And even she was trying to get him yeah. help. All these people trying to get him help. But the manner of death for his brother, gosh. It's horrible. And you know that just the violence of that alone, oh. that he he really thought he was seeing yeah. something, not his brother. He didn't try to clean up the crime scene. Right. He was just like, I killed the Terminator. What? Oh, gosh. Oh. Yeah. Well, isn't that... <laughs> I know. Uh, I have a quick correction from last week. Since I'm on my mental health me? spiel, it's me. Oh. So, 
Samuel unexpectedly started listening to our podcast Stop again. Stop it, Sam. And I didn't realize. <laughs> and he said, your case was messed up. And I'm like, what? You mean the audio? And he's like, no. Like, it was really. Yeah. Thanks for listening. A coworker of mine came into the it, office it was messed up. yesterday and pulls one of her AirPods out and is like, I'm listening to you talk right now. And it's Lacey's case. <laughs> it She's was like, messed up. I'm about to cry. It's awful. <laughs> These don't get better. And she's like, carry on and puts her AirPod back in. <laughs> and he's like, I have a quick correction for you. I'm like, what? I said the frontal lobe wasn't fully developed until I think I said late teens, early 20s. Uh-huh. But I was corrected by my psychiatrist husband that the development and maturation of the prefrontal cortex is fully accomplished at the age of 25 years. So it's 25 years old. Thank you, Dr. Sam. Old. He did not read my notes for today's case, so I'll let you guys know if he corrects me on any of this, and he probably will. Look, I read abstracts for this one. We are not doctors. I'm not a doctor. But no. anyway, I'm going to take a quick break. Sure. Okay, I have no idea what your case is about today. I told you, it's psychic. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So uh, hold all thoughts oh, to the end. Uh, okay, I will. I'll ho- hide my face. Hide your face. My facial expression. <laughs> okay, so this happens in Portland, Maine, October 2001. 25-year-old Amy St. Laurent is out at the Pavilion Nightclub downtown when she seemingly disappears into thin air. She's with a male friend of hers. She had met Eric Rubright on a trip that she had went on to Florida. So she'd went down to Fort Myers, Florida to visit like a a friend from high school. Mm-hmm. And he was next door neighbors with Eric. And so they met and Eric was like, cha-cha-cha. Maybe there's something <laughs> here. She goes back to Maine. They keep into okay. communication and he's going to fly up to see her mm. and hang out for the weekend. Fingers crossed it leads to more. So the two spend the day in Boston and they, you know, hang out at the museums. By the time they got to the pavilion that night at 1030, Amy had made it very clear to Eric that this is not, no, there's no, no romance here. Yeah. Like you're cool and I'm having a good time, but. Let's be friends. Let's be friends. Not be lovers. Let's not be lovers. It's just not. So they stop at foreplay. Sports bar. Oh my god! Nice play on words. And she's playing pool with a couple other guys, and Eric's just kind of standing there watching. And then they leave there and go to the pavilion, where Amy's out on the dance floor. That's her song. Mm-hmm. And these two guys from the pool hall show up, and they're dancing. And Eric's kind of standing against the wall. Yeah. He's just kind of laying back. Uh-huh. Seems like he's. You know, she's not feeling it. She's made it clear. He probably feels kind of weird, you know, so he's just kind of hanging back. So around midnight, they get separated. So Eric cannot find her. But Hmm. it's a nightclub. It's the early 2000s. I remember being at nightclubs in the early 2000s when nightclubs were still a thing. It gets very crowded in those places. So he can't find her. He searches everywhere. She's gone. He's irritated. He goes outside, waits by the door until everyone's out of the bar. She doesn't come out. So Hmm. he's like, she must have left without me. Party with those two dudes. That's what I would assume. He's got her phone, Mm -hmm. jacket, keys. So he's like, I'm out. Wow. But I hate that feeling when you're in a busy place like that. 
and you lose a friend. Yeah. And you search the bathroom and you don't you even know if they're there right. or not. And you can't find them. And what are you going to do? Go up to the DJ booth and be like, can you yeah. find my friend? She's got blonde hair and, and a black shirt on. That's every fucking body in here. And the, don't even try. You can't even get a drink. So forget the I was, yeah, <laughs> forget no. the bartenders. They're not helping you anyway. Just, no. Anyways, so Eric goes to Amy's house. She's not there. Her car's in the driveway. And he said, you know, I didn't feel right going in her house since she wasn't there. So he sleeps in his car. Wow. Thinking and she's going to come home. Yeah. And it wasn't like. They'd known each other no, long or anything. No. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to get in her house either. He's like, I'm not going in there. Yeah. But the next morning when he wakes up, she's not back. He does go inside, takes a shower. <laughs> um, it's like, well, it's not awkward anymore. No. Right. Like, now he's irritated. I'm <laughs> yeah. slept in my car. You you know, he he takes her stuff inside and leaves a note that basically says, like, where the fuck did you go? <laughs> yeah. He's still got a few days before he goes uh, back to Florida. So he, man. he's like, this chick just ghosted me, basically, yeah. in, but in person. So he dips out and goes and stays in a hotel, whatever. He's done with this. Hmm. Her mother, Diane, starts to worry because her daughter did not show up at home on Sunday. She would not have just left. Her cat is there. Yeah, you don't leave a cat. No one's no one's house sitting. No one's she house doesn't sitting. have a Jason looking no, in on her she cat. She doesn't have anybody taking care of the cat. And her mom's <laughs> like, that's not, no, she wouldn't yeah. do that. So her mom calls the county sheriff and makes a missing persons report. And they're like, they're freaking out. They're worried. Yeah. This is not like Amy. They start hanging up missing persons posters on all the signs. Doing the early 2001 thing, telephone poles, store windows, her face is all over the news, and it's all anybody can talk about. Like, this girl went to a nightclub. She has disappeared. Help us find her. Follow the bouncing ball. She was working as an administrative assistant. She was very responsible. She wouldn't just take off. Right. So, something has happened to her, Mm. but there's no evidence, and there's no witnesses. There's no leads. There's and nothing. And nightclub's like the worst place for someone to vanish to because well, no one oh, – Right. And even if There's you, a million people. And even if you leave with someone, it's the same thing. Did you see a blonde girl leave here with the, <sighs> for with real? the dude? Well, yeah, about 50 of them. Yeah. So the police are at a standstill. She just vanished. Mm. Police track down Eric through his rental car and question him about, you know, the night's events. Mm-hmm. And they – think that the scenario that Eric told them sounds very suspicious. Yeah. Flew up from Florida. She doesn't really know you. You went with her and now she's gone. And then you went to her house and left. Yeah. It just sounds. Sounds bad. It's not looking good for him. Yes. Yes. Sounds very, very. Yeah. So it's just weird. Mm -hmm. He is telling him like, I basically got dumped and she left. So I don't know what to tell you. She was hanging out with two dudes at this pool hall they did come to the nightclub mm-hmm. maybe she left with them one of them has long hair the other one's like five nine he's got <laughs> highlights oh uh, god not highlights right so one of them one of the men was one of the first callers on the tip line that was set up to collect information about amy jeffrey gorman one of his friends had seen posters of amy and they recognized her because they saw her with jeff saturday night so basically, they tell Jeff, 
you better call the police because I saw you with her and now she's missing. Uh Uh-oh. So you need to clear your name. So he says to the police or the tip line that he and his roommate met Amy at the pool hall. They played pool. Eric watched. They hooked up at the pavilion again. Jeff said Amy lost Eric at closing time. So she agreed to go with the two men to an after hours party. Oh, boy. And this guy is a bar fly. This Jeff guy. He knows all the bouncers and the bartenders. He's talking to everybody. He's talking to the DJ, which makes her feel very comfortable. Mm -hmm. So she leaves with him. So the party sucked and Amy was uncomfortable and she didn't want to be at the house Hmm. alone with the two of the men. So she tells Jeff this and he says he drives her back to the pavilion Drops her off around 1.45, and then he goes home. Jeff's roommate confirms with the police that Jeff was in bed at 2 o'clock in the a.m. Is Jeff highlights or long hair? Jeff has highlights. Okay. I believe. 5'9 with highlights, or was it long hair? <laughs> Sorry. Just Are you trying to get a mental picture? Yeah. Google I'll Google this. it. Google yeah. this. So two days later, Amy's still missing. Family holds a press conference They, again, plead for her safe return and offer $35,000 for a reward. Wow, yeah. Five days after that, one of the detectives from the police department is listening to the radio on his way to the office. Q97.9 to be exact. And there is a psychic radio show that is hosted by Vicki Monroe. She helps people connect with their loved ones who have passed away. So Detective Lachlan is like, I'm going to call the psychic when I get to work. <laughs> wow. Why not? I mean. I'm, it's just funny that it's a detective. I have nothing to go on. There's no. You would think you would think it'd be a family member, not a detective, though. Well, you know what I mean? The detective's like, I'm, I'm, I have nothing to lose. So he gets to the, and he calls and he explains the case to Vicky. Immediately. She says. Her eyes roll back in her head. Shut up. I told you to keep your shit to the end. She says immediately she sees Amy. She describes, this is all allegedly. She describes what she is wearing. She says she knows she is dead. She passes all this information along to the police officer. She says Amy keeps repeating JJJJJ. So this must be the letter of the man who murdered her. Jeff. She said Jeff. She's saying Jeff now. So the police are the only ones that know this information. Mm -hmm. There's no way this lady on the radio knows this. So Jeffrey Gorman was the last person to see her alive. They pull the security cameras from across the street at the pavilion, and his car is nowhere on the tapes. Remember he said he took her back to the pavilion? He He didn't. didn't go back. He didn't go back. Oh, no. He also has a record. Mainly misdemeanors, theft in Florida and Alabama. So... He's clearly untrustworthy. So the cops are definitely, their ears are perked. Yeah. That this is a bad dude. He starts acting very odd in the interviews. He cleans his car. He changes his appearance. He gets tattoos and multiple piercings. What? All of a sudden? He shaves his head and suddenly he's not cooperating with the police. What in the world? You are suspect number one, my dude. Yeah. I mean, 
So police contact the National Crime Information Center to see if Jeff had been stopped by law enforcement in the recent months. The NCIC records show that Jeff had been stopped by police for one headlight being out in the Portland suburb of Westbrook at 3.14 a.m. on the morning that Amy went missing. So he couldn't have been in bed Mm. like his roommate said he was. Freaking roommate lying for him. Mm -mm. His mother's boyfriend comes forward and said that he had asked to borrow a shovel from (gasps) him a few days after that. So this is bad. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Nope. So it's been six weeks at this point since Amy has been missing and the psychic has more visions. Allegedly, Amy shows her a wooden area with water running. There's a house nearby. Amy tells her that she's stuck under something and can't get out. Police know that Jeff's mom lives in a house in the woods right outside the city. So the police head out to the area, begin searching the woods. It's December, so the weather sucks. Mm -hmm. Cadaver dogs are brought in. They search. Search teams come in, and they find a shallow grave, and a forensic dig team is then brought in. They find a piece of plywood, and underneath it is Amy. And she is wearing the exact thing that the psychic, Vicki Monroe, had described in her vision. She had been beaten, and her body showed signs of sexual assault. Her panties were twisted around her ankles, and she had been shot to death. Man. There was GHB, one of the date rape drugs, that was found in her system. There was no semen or other bodily fluids on her body. Um, The murder weapon was a 9mm Glock, but it was never found. So Jeff is arrested after an armed standoff in Alabama. Alabama? Yes. So the details of that night then come out. He physically and sexually assaults her in the car on the way to his friend's house, takes out a gun, and forces her up the road in the woods. He rapes her and shoots her in the head before leaving her body for two days. He then returns with the shovel that he borrowed and buried her in a shallow grave under a piece of cheap plywood. So in 2003, Jeff is sentenced to 60 years in prison after a week-long trial. He is 23 years old. So young. Man, to just... Prosecutors sought the life sentence, but since the slaying was not premeditated, it didn't warrant the maximum sentence. So... His mother testified in court that he had confessed to killing Amy to her. Oh, no. I mean, and there's a lot about oh, their whole Lord. situation, mom and Jeff, um, a lot of back and forth between homes. Mm-hmm. He was basically neglected and his mom and him fought all the time when he was older. He quit school very young. I mean, we've heard these stories. Yeah, it's yeah. so bad when they grow up. Doesn't excuse no, what he but did. it's like they repeat the cycle of abuse. Right. It's just it's right, and who knows why some people do and why some people don't. Like some people become better, and she people. was she literally was just 
fucking playing pool with this guy. And she seemed into them, so why? Yeah. Like, she left with his, you. Yeah, she left with you. Why are you going to these links? Like, how about you just date someone, like a normal freaking person? And not rape them and blow their brains out. I'm not God. trying to be vulgar, but it's like, it come on. It makes no sense to me. Mm. She probably, and this is all allegedly, we don't know, yeah. but it's like, why, you know, she probably got in there in the car and changed her mind. Yeah. And I mean, which is valid. Take her home. Yeah. Just take her fucking home. Ask her if you can see her again next week and maybe she'll say yes. And if right. not, like, move on, you freaking weirdo. Uh, but you know I love this shit. I love not murder, but I like psychic stuff. I know. <laughs> so I have some more stuff to tell you about. Oh. Psychics and mediums and true crime. Are you ready? I'm ready. Psychics, which include clairvoyance, prophesizers, telepaths. Is it telepaths? Telepaths? Palmists, numerologists, graphologists, and metaphysicians. Both psychics and detectives base their work on intuition to some extent. So Dorothy Allison of New Jersey has assisted police in more than 4,000 investigations. Isn't that crazy? So to produce information in a criminal investigation, most psychics like to have an article of the victims or a photograph or visit the victim's home or crime scene. So one of the most notable crime-solving psychics, Dorothy, gained notoriety in the media for her work regarding high-profile cases such as the Patty Hearst kidnapping, in which she predicted that Hearst would later help rob a bank. She also predicted son of Sam killer David Berkowitz would be captured with a traffic ticket. So Professional Psychics United, or PPU, is a network of more than 380 psychics that has volunteer psychic rescue teams. So they will volunteer their services wow. to go in. Lacey's dying. She wants to laugh so bad, but I'm no, so I mean- serious right now. <laughs> So some people think that psychics are vultures that prey on vulnerable people, and that's Lacey's look. No, 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 no. There are some that do that, like oh, that claim to be. You 100%. know what I mean? And I, you know, I'm not. I do believe some people have better intuition than others, and I mean, I don't know. Psychics can be real. I'm not saying they're not, but well, there are some cases. There like, are some vultures out there. There are some that cannot be explained otherwise. So there has to be something there. Because she looked into John Bonet's case. Listen, just saying, like or Madeline McCann. Use yeah. Can we get some coverage Come on. on those? So I'm going to tell you about two cases that she helped with. Okay. Okay. So one on June 9th, 1987, 27 year old Andre Daigle of New Orleans met a friend for dinner and a game of pool. He, you know, it turned into a long night of drinking. It's New Orleans. He's 27. You get the drift. He was never seen again. When his sister reached out to a psychic named Rosemary Kerr, she picked up where the New Orleans police left off because they didn't suspect any kind of foul play or anything. Cops are like, we don't know. He just disappeared. This was where he was. Then he wasn't. So, but his sister is like, no, no, no. So Rosemary Kerr, the psychic, placed a finger on a photo of Andre, and she sent something immediately that he was dead, according to her testimony in the murder trial that followed. 
So Kerr correctly identified where his body would be found in the New Orleans swamp, which helped break the case, resulting in the conviction of two men who ended up testifying that they killed Andre for sport. Oh, my gosh. For sport? For sport. Yes. That's freaking creepy. So Kerr died in 2015, and she was the first psychic ever to be placed on a witness stand in a murder trial. I didn't know that they did that. No, me either. Well, she was the first one. So when we cover Louisiana, maybe you can look into her. <laughs> Listen, if you're going to be a real psychic, you're either going to be in New Orleans or I don't know. Oh, for sure. Salem. Salem. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so here's the next one. John DeMars, who was happily married, 30-year-old New York City banker, two little kids, boarded his evening commuter train in New Jersey on December 20th, 1974. But when the train stopped, he was not on the board. He was not on board. Police investigation, you know, they're hmm. trying to figure out where he's at. They address both foul play committed against him and the possibility that he had just voluntarily run away. Eventually, they called on the psychic, Dorothy Allison. She told detectives she saw John falling off the train and drowning. Falling off? Mm-hmm. Allison couldn't say exactly where this had happened, but she did say she saw a bow and arrow and the numbers 222. What in God's name? Law enforcement could not make any sense of the clues that they had been told. But the body of John turned up two months later on February 22nd, 222. A father and son had been practicing archery by the shore of the Passaic River, which runs along the train's route, when one of their arrows landed beside his body that was in shallow water. Police later pieced together that he had fallen asleep on the train, and when the conductor made an unscheduled stop along the river bridge, he was half asleep. And stepped off the train, fell off the bridge, and drowned. Oh, my gosh. You can't explain stuff. That's weird. Lacey's like, girl, shut up. (laughs) You can't explain stuff. There's no way she would know this. Fight me in the comments if I go missing. (laughs) I'll call a psychic for you. Please contact a psychic or a medium to help find me. No one in my family... They have to have, like, a good Yelp review, at least. No one in my family. I would be trying to get people's attention in my family. They would call Ghostbusters. I would get sucked into that box. Oh, no. With, like, a demon or something, and my body would never be found. I mean. Call me a psychic. I'll call you a psychic. I want somebody like Miss Cleo on the TV. Don't get Sylvia Brown, because she's been wrong so much. She has been wrong. Don't get her. See, I don't believe her for a second. So She's just, like. Throwing darts, trying to hit something. Is my theory on her. Do you think that psychics, you don't. I can Um, tell by your face. I've never seen a psychic or a medium or anything. Or like a palm reader. I've never had a personal experience. I've been to shows where I knew what they were doing to trick people. I would love to see one. I'm looking it up. They're they're kind of expensive. I'll pay for me and you to get. Eureka Springs probably has some good ones. I don't know about uh, Little Rock Psychics. I don't know. The, well, there's the one psychic, Carol Pate, that's like famous that lives here. No relation. Yeah. I looked. Yeah, but we need to yeah. we need to go and do this. I mean, I'm open. 
I want to make you a believer. See, yeah, I don't know. I've just, I guess my thing is I have had a lot of people in my life die. I've never had a weird experience. That doesn't mean anything. And I've desperately tried all the things to get what their do you attention. Want? It's, I don't know. I don't feel, I feel that like. Pin to roll off right now. That fucking pin, pin rolls, I'm roll done. off that table right I now. am done. I I'm will leave like, so I've never, fast. I've never had the feeling of, I don't know. Never had like heebie-jeebies. No, I just feel like I need that to, I'm not saying other people haven't. Maybe they have, honestly. I don't know. I just, I need that for myself. But maybe that. Believer, I guess. I don't know. Not, but, I'm, but I'm not a non-believer. I just have not had that experience. Maybe that means that. They don't have any unfinished business, and they've passed over. I've got unfinished business. It's not about you. You're so selfish. When I'm a ghost, I'll be around forever. I'll never cross. I'm no. like, you bitch. You have to go to the light, Carol Ann. I won't even see the light. I'll be like, this mother. You better not. You remember what you did to me in high school? Mm-mm. I don't feel like you have to have anything weird and bad to be. I know, but I'm jealous. I'm jealous of people that do. I actually am jealous. I think if something ever happened to you, it would it would uh, freak you out. It would freak me because out because then you would have to believe in well, everything yeah. that you're. I'm oh, I suspicious want to. Of. I'm, I'm open. I'm open. Do you think the psychic helped them solve this case that I told you about? My main case, not the two I deterred around. I mean, I haven't looked into her, so I mean, potential. I'd say potentially. I'd have to know more about her. I feel like, and I don't know. I don't know. Done Maybe. with you. Potentially. How do I do this podcast with you when you're such a fucking skeptic? <laughs> I'm just, I don't, like I said, I just, if I met with a psychic and they were like, I'd but be would shooketh. you, you wouldn't believe her if she was like telling you your future. Well, I would if she had said things that. Something from your past. Something that no one would know or I don't, you know what I mean? I just, I wouldn't just trust them. I'd be like, okay. Like if she said something like. Just like that time that Sam ate the last cookie and you were so mad you went in the bathroom and cried and nobody knew that. You would be like, oh, my God, that did happen. Yeah. Something like that. Hmm. I've never cried over a cookie. But <laughs> – Well, you're still – you still got three months but of pregnancy. But I potentially could cry over a cookie. <laughs> I potentially could. I have a quick little story. It's not like a story story. But Britt DM'd us about the – okay – I didn't. I didn't have time. I wrote this in my notes like five minutes before you came. Danello Caval Cavalcante case. Danello. I didn't have time to Google how to pronounce it. But anyway, it's going on right now, and it's happening in her hometown. Have you heard of it? The manhunt going on and all they that. They found it. Yeah. So Danello killed his ex girlfriend in front of her children in twenty twenty one. Swear. A couple of weeks ago, he escaped the Chester County Prison in Pennsylvania. There was a two week manhunt. Luckily, just this morning, the 13th, he was found and arrested. A tactical dog took him down by biting him on the head. The so head? There's arrest photos. They call it minor, but he has blood all over his face. Well, it's a head thing. Anything with a head. Yeah. Blood. It was such a big deal that the schools were closed and residents were put on alert as police searched for him 20 miles north of the prison he broke out of. Can you imagine like Little Rock schools just being closed? Scary, right? And he was considered desperate and dangerous. He was breaking into houses, stealing guns, clothes, cars, everything. I might have to dig into this one more when we go back to Pennsylvania. But yeah, he was caught. He's not on the run anymore. I bet they're so relieved. I watched a new show as well over the weekend. What was it? Technically, it was true crime. 
So Samuel suggested a docu-series over the weekend called Telemarketers. No, what? And I said, I am not watching a doc about freaking telemarketers. We're not doing this, Sam. Then we watched the entire thing in two days. So it's on HBO, and it's about the 20-year journey of two telemarketers who work together and start looking into the shady truth behind their New Jersey call center. Their job is basically to persuade people to give money to charities, like the Fraternal Order of Police. Turns out to be a billion-dollar marketing scam. Holy Still cow. probably going on in some places. I don't want to say too much, but there's drugs, debauchery, ex-cons, you name it. Like, they're doing heroin in the office, and it's accepted. He's videotaping this live, like it 20 years like ago. It Wolf of Wall Street. It is. It's Wolf of Wall Street, but for telemarketers. I mean, there's sex workers there. There's dog stuff. There's the passion drugs. in Lacey's face it's, right it's, now. Telemarketers are me, so much more interesting than I thought. Is me talking about demons? No, I but didn't know. I w- and I went into it. I'm like, we we're so excited about telemarketers. I was on my computer. I'm like, you can play it, whatever. I'm just gonna type my stuff, and then I'm like, wait, what are they doing in this office? And it's all recorded. It is. It's. I don't even know what to say. It's parts of it are funny. It's just really freaking weird. What's the name of it? Telemarketers. That's it? Just telemarketers? Yes, and it's okay, on HBO. Okay, I thought you were being facetious. Okay, I'm going to this I'm guy, look this These up. two guys, he started working there when he was 14 because they didn't care. They didn't care about how old you were. If you were an ex-con, they wouldn't ask you why. There are murderers working there, children working there. It's... This is nuts. And there's a woman talking about how her man better uh, like fellatio. <laughs> It's just so great. Fellatio. It's it's so much more interesting than I was expecting. I was so like, I don't want to watch this. No, thank you. But it was freaking crazy. I can't. It's Wolf of Wall Street meets billionaire scams meets I don't even know. Oh, my gosh. The main billionaire guy was just using all of his money to make bad music for his Christian rock band. That's because that's what billionaires do. Oh, God. It's crazy. Anyway, what's new with you before we sign off? Um, I just got over COVID. Mm-hmm. That was not fun. Nope. Didn't have that on my bingo card. Um, Man, years later, who knew? I know. Three days. It's, everyone has it right now. It's coming back. I'm terrified it's, to get it. You don't want it because let me tell you, three days of 102, 103 fever, I started <sighs> an antiviral yeah. the day that I tested positive. I'm so glad that I started that because even with that in my system, two days later, I still felt like shit. That's what I hear. It lingers. I'm still super tired, but I'm, you know, I have a negative test. Everybody, I'm safe. I quarantined for mm-hmm. six days, technically. It was so boring. I. It sounds boring. I mask up people, not to harp on this. Um, but if you're not feeling good, stay the fuck home because. I don't ever want to feel like that again. Real. I told Lacey, no wonder my dogs tear shit up in my house because you started doing it. I wanted to tear shit up after you being there. Her chewing on the couch. <laughs> like, <laughs> to break all this shit. <laughs> so mad. Oh it my sucked, gosh. but I'm over it and I'm good. I'm, good. I'm glad you're good. Your voice is great, which yeah, is good. I never got any of that stuff. I just got my mom got COVID recently and her voice was like, oh my gosh. Oh, I just got like fever, chills, body aches, earaches, nosy, snotty. All the bad, uh-huh. annoying Headache. stuff. Headache. Mm-hmm. To tummy stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we have a new patron as of today. <gasps> oh, I love shit. when it's like same day. I don't even have time to type it in. I just That's write it on paper. Cool. So it's Ryan J. I don't know where he or she, I'm guessing he, but could be she, is from. But I reached out and asked them. But thank you, Ryan J. Thanks, Ryan. We appreciate it. We're yes, excited. We do. Yeah. Send and us our, your address so we can give you some stickers and stuff. Our uh, Patreon we just decided on today because I was talking about all the psychic stuff at work. Yeah. As you know, I like to brainstorm with my coworkers and we started talking about psychics, fortune tellers. What's the difference in a fortune teller and a prophet, you know, cause prophets are biblical and people mm-hmm. believe all that shit. And if the prophets lived during the, you know, Salem witch trials, they would have been burnt. Yeah. For seeing visions and having dreams. So from that, it went to heaven and hell and reincarnation. Oh, man. So. I actually love talking about reincarnation. I, believe it or not. Me too. And I'm like, there, we've never covered this. There's some be, stories out there yes. that I know I'm the skeptic here, but there's, I'm just like, how do they know? How do they know? Right. It's so freaky. So just we. really weird stuff. Decided that we would talk about reincarnation mm-hmm. for our uh, September Patreon. So. I'm excited about that one. It's going to be good. I love those so types of I. stories. It's so we never weird. We got a recommendation. It was after I posted a picture of Jax on my head uh-huh. uh, on my personal Instagram and our, our patron Nick follows me on there and he commented, oh my God, a good suggestion is animals that kill. <gasps> I was like, that is a good I suggestion. I don't hate that. Let's tuck that away for- Put a pin in knows. that. Yeah, I'm like, animals who kill. I didn't even give, I don't know how many times that's happened, but- I don't hate that. That's an interesting one, but I'm excited about reincarnation. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. So stay tuned for that, folks. And we got a wedding invitation in the mail. First ever. Look at that. That was fancy oh, little wedding so stamp. I'll hand this over to you. But I won't give away all the details, obviously. But yeah, we've been invited to Did they Erica. want you to say this? I don't know. <laughs> we've been invited. I'm just going to say Erica. We've been invited to Erica's wedding. Let me see this. We... Unfortunately, and she's probably like, thank God, we won't be able to make it. It's the night of my Halloween party, but congratulations. Let me see this fancy thing. It's, it's, we'll have to hang that up as first wedding invite. Man, I'm going. This is a cocktail hour. I know. Supper, evening of celebration. Maybe we should rethink this. How far away? I won't say your location, but like. That's drivable. This is so, it's cute. Such a pretty picture. Thank you so much. First. First podcast wedding invite. And because of their last name, I'm like, I need to go. It could be my cousin. <laughs> Just kidding. Samuel's cousin, not my cousin. I see that. Spelled the same way and everything. It is. Intriguing. Congratulations. Congratulations, guys. Mazel tov. I'll have to send you some Are you stickers. Jewish? <laughs> Where are we next week? Because I don't even know. Oh, shit. Hang on. Kentucky. Because I'm already. It just came to me. I'm already done with my case. <sighs> I need a good Kentucky case. It's a doozy. It's going to bother you. Oh, no. Don't bother me. It's going to bother you. So you all come back. It's going to. Okay. Until next week. Bye. Bye.